I'm right now. Sale. I'm currently on a uh, 16 Road King. Okay, we and can start with motorcycles. On yeah, that. we we're already are. Oh, okay, yeah. there it is. Yeah, I still so, got. I still got the, the 15 Dyna. Yeah. I still like that. I I sold. I sold the um. What was it? The Fat Fat yeah, Boy. Yeah, Fat Boy. Fat Boy. Um, it was an 04 with only like I think it only had like. 15,000 miles on there or something. Barely broken. It had a cam in it. Yeah. My clear blue. And I was like, dude, that's to rock and roll out of here. And my, you know, I never even ride that much anymore. I, I went from, you know, riding every day to like, I haven't fired up my bike since September of last year. And what is yeah. this? Like, good May? Going to go on April? Wow, yeah. Yeah. So to, like, no. No, no, I have, I have June. Yeah, yeah. Tomorrow's June. But the I, following day is June. Yeah, yeah. yeah June I, is this week. Yeah, I haven't fired up my bike in that long. Wow. Yeah, you know, and I think when you just live a certain way for so long and you're doing so much, it's like, all right, I'm done. Like, I don't have to do, I don't have to, you know, it's like, I don't, you know, I don't even fire up or put a, like a a, a trickle charger on there. I'm just like, I know this thing's dead. I'm not even going to (laughs) bother. I don't care. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) so it's pretty cool. So we've already started recording here. Uh, Today, I'm sitting here with my friend, James R.C., and we are on the Almost Home podcast. And the first time I ever met James, I was at a baptism for a man who was a president of a chapter of a, a major 1% motorcycle club. And the man got baptized. He stepped out of the pool and he's on the little deck around the pool. And the man who did the baptism looks at James and he says, so are you going to be next? And James, who's about six seven or so, I'm six 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 three hundred. Yeah, yeah plus he's a big nine. man. Yeah, he says, "Nah, I'm gonna keep doing my gangster expletive." <laughs> he puts on his glasses, and it's like it was the smoothest, coolest. Like that's what it is to be an outlaw motorcycle, like to be a part of that world. So, yeah, welcome, James. How you doing, man? I'm so happy you're here, man. Oh, it's this a blessing. I'm, I'm. It's a blessing to be here. I'm, I'm stoked to be here. It's here to save souls. That's what, that's what it's all about. Perfect. You know? That's our that's our plan. That's what we want to do. Right. Uh, so we're going to start off with our icebreaker questions. <clears throat> Number one, if you could be put in a uh, in a TV show, you're spending a week in any TV show. Oh. What would that be, and why that TV show? That's... Or movie, you can say movie. Can okay. I do movie? Yeah, because yeah, the TV show's a little, little difficult. Um, oh man, man, the chosen. I would love to done that one. That's because that's hitting hard right now, and it's it's bringing a lot of people to the Lord. But to be behind the scenes, yeah, and seeing how it's working, because I love movies. I was telling you know my fiance, it was like one of the things I wanted to do was play like a like a scary monster guy because I'm so big. And that was like one of my ultimate dreams, you know, as a kid is like, I want to be a scary guy, like the boogeyman or something, you know, like that was my dream. Like and I was telling my fiance that and I was like, wouldn't that be cool? And there's like people that call me like, Hey, can you, do you want to do like a movie? I'm like, yes, man, I'm so down. But can we make it somewhat like spiritual, like Christian or something like that? Like the guys like finds God later and they're just like, wait, no. <laughs> so no movie so far, but I think I would have to say chosen right now. Okay. Chosen's where it's at right now. Good. Uh, question number two. If you could live in any era, when would it be and why? When Jesus was alive. There you go. I kind of figured that's what Yeah. It's like, come on, Woody. Like, 
I want to hear all the truth. Right. And you know what I'm saying? And that's that's where it's if, if that's the era, you know, and not to see him be crucified because but he did that for us, you know, and as he did for me, you and everyone in this room. But it's to see how it it was, it really was, you know. And these guys walked everywhere. Like, think about that. All the walking they did, I was like, these dudes are in shape. Because yeah. <laughs> you read the Bible, it's like, we walked here, we walked here. It's like, you know, they, they didn't roll chariots and stuff like that back then. They, they walked it. And I was like, that's where I think that term, you know, do you walk the walk or talk the talk oh, comes yeah. from, you know. Like, I always tell people, you know, you ever walk the walk, you know. And that's a good analogy for that, I guess, you know. Okay. Yeah. And question number three, your favorite scripture. Isaiah 43.2, uh, when you go through deep waters, I'll be with you. Uh, when you walk across rivers, it will not sweep you. And uh, when you walk through um, the flames, they will not become a blaze. That is solid. I like that a lot. Yeah. I'm going to, I wrote that one down. I'm going to memorize that one. Yeah. Isaiah 43.2, two, because... Uh, scuba dive i do scuba diving you do scuba diving yeah and i have it on my crucifix right here and it says i'll go i'll go through i will be with you when i go through deep water so it's on the side of my crucifix so something i could pray about real quick like, yeah. Lord, you're gonna be with me sure. i'm gonna come back <laughs> you know so that's what's cool yeah. so i i told the story the first time we ever met um i i introduced myself to you then and that was kind of it I was I was just beginning my journey into the outlaw motorcycle world. Right. You were the president of a chapter of w one of, if not the largest motorcycle club, outlaw motorcycle club in the world. Right, right. Um, that's where I got to know you and to be sitting here now having these discussions about how Christ has saved our lives. Is, it just kind of shows the blessings and, and the path that God has each one of us on is just, it's right. crazy. It's wild. Yeah. And you know, a lot of, I, I don't know how to start, but I'm glad you're, you're Brian saying that, you know, um, I don't like to boast about myself. Yes. That's who I was in the time I was living in the world. That's who I was, you know, but I'm not part of the world no more. You know, I belong to God now, you know, and, um, first John two fifteen. if you don't love the world or the world, you would not have the love for God in your heart, you know? And I tell people that like, I had all that, you know, I was the president, I was outline, I was Mr. Gangster Cool, you know, <laughs> like, you know, I had anything and everything I wanted, you know, but guess what? I wasn't happy, you know, it's like that guy with like four or five motorcycles, the low rider car, you know, the money, the girls, whatever I wanted. And it's like, but I wasn't happy. I was like, why am I happy? Why am I down and down and out, like, shouldn't this bring happiness, you know, and I'm leading a chapter, I had everything going for me in the world, but <laughs> my heart was empty, Sure. you know, and I tell everyone that, like, I mean, the, the alcohol and drugs and all that stuff that came with it, it was drowning me down, it was tearing me up, and I was like, well, just don't do that stuff, I'm like, but it's there, you know, <laughs> it's like, it comes with the territory, you know, like, this is how it is. You know, but being in that world, it, it, I just, you don't grow up as a child and go, I want to be an outlaw biker, you know, and it, it starts from birth. And I, that's where I, I'm going to go with this. I, I love my mom and dad. I'm going to, I'm going to start my testimony here of like how it led up to that and where I got saved. But I love my mom and dad. Um, my mom passed away, you know, seven years ago. You know, I'm going to talk a lot about her and what she went through and her being lost, you know, how it affects your childhood. And that comes from, um, 
generational sin, you know, and the, and going, going through that, you know, and, um, so I was born in 83, you know, 1983, South East Side, San Jose, California, in the hood, <laughs> you know, just, that's where it was at, you know, and, uh, when I was born, um, I was born into a life where it's not something you wish for, like, you know what I'm saying, like, like, I was born with a silver spoon in my, my in my mouth, far from it, I, I was born in a, uh, near Rancho Verde Apartments, which was the ghetto, you know, it was the projects, you know, it was just hood, you know, I had friends die and everything, you know, growing up, but born in that, my mom uh, was married to my father, my biological father at the time, she cheated on my um, biological father with my stepdad, and um, when, so when I was born, they didn't know who I was belonging to, it was either this man here that my mom cheated on my biological father with, or my bio dad, my earthly father, I should say. Um, so that being said, they didn't know. So on the birth, when I was born, I came out looking the way I look, Hispanic looking, you know, tan skin. My stepdad was black, but I didn't know that as a kid growing up. I thought that's my father. I didn't know who um, my um, biological father was. I thought my stepdad was my earthly father. So uh, my mom gave me the first name of my stepdad, James, but kept my biological father's last name. So I have two father's names. My first name being James, that's my stepdad, and then my biological father's last name. So not already starting in generational sin from the day you're born knowing that you have no identity. That's what sucked. And not knowing that. So when you're growing up with no identity, no, you think you're lost already because the sins of your, of your parents, you know, they're not saved. They're living in the world, you know, cheating on each other, whatever, that kind of lifestyle, it tears the children up, but you're living selfishly, not living for God. If you're doing those things, you know, and so I was becoming of age, you know, I was, I'll say around four or five, I started questioning some things. Like, I'm like, wait, I'm not black. Why am I not as dark as my dad? Like, I would put my hand next to my stepdad being like, why are you so darker than me? <laughs> you know, because he was black, you know, and, and uh, he, my mom would be like, oh, you just more, you just came out looking more like me. So being a kid, your parents telling you that, then you're just like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And what started slipping up was um, uh, my sister, who's 10 years older than me, would be like, go, your dad's calling you. I'm like, why do you say your dad? It's our dad. Like, being a kid, I was catching those things. So this was about, I think this was third grade. And uh, I was playing basketball. I broke my middle finger. I mean, tore it up. It was bent back, whatever. And uh, my mom was like, oh, we got to go to the hospital. You know, they call my mom. And I was remembering what my sister told me. So being there in the hospital, they're casting up my finger, you know, putting a splint on it, I guess. And I was asking my mom in the hospital, um, mom, why does my sister keep saying these things like your dad and this and that? Why am I lighter skinned or whatever? And uh, my mom finally told me in the hospital while I'm getting, I'm all messed up, you know, hand all raised up and everything. She goes, um, that's not your dad, that your biological father. 
your biological father lives in Florida. Um, she started downing him right away. He's not a good man, whatever. But I think maybe it's time for you to get to know. So I'm starting to tear up. Like, I'm like, wait, I've been calling this man dad. Like, what, what is going on here? And that's where I would say that was part of the, it was at the more, more the TV show we were talking about earlier. That is not your father. Oh, Maury. 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 Yeah, Maury. I'm Maury like, moment. Yeah, the Maury moment. And I tell everyone, like, you know, we focus on that te on these shows where it's like, I'm, you know, that's not your son or whatever. And they're focusing on the adults. But look at the children here. They are tearing, they're you're tearing these kids up. And it says in the in the in scripture that we should be sharing them the word and living in works, you know, and providing for our kids, teaching them the word and living for them properly, staying married with, you know, husband and wife and all that. And I'm seeing, I'm seeing all this crossover stuff. And I lived it as a child and see how much it tore me up. And then knowing why too, my mom was very abusive towards me. She would always beat me up and stuff. And there was a time where before, you know, she told me, I was wondering why my mom had so much, it felt like she had a lot of resentment towards me or like she hated me for a lot of things, but it was because of her sin, not mine. You know, like I remember she beat me up so bad. Uh, I was laying in bed and my older sister that I was speaking about, uh, I was laying in bed and uh, my mom just got done just cracking the whip on me, you know, go get the belt. So you have to go get the, you know, the three inch thick belt, work belt. And, <laughs> you know, and she laid it on me, but it was to the point where it numbed me, where I just couldn't feel it no more. And she told me, go to, go to sleep, go lay down, go to bed, whatever. And I remember just laying in bed and my sister coming to the room like an hour or so later and she was peeling the sheets off me and they were bloody and they were sticking to my skin. And it was just like, just, I was in pain at that point because when you start pulling that dry blood off like a wound, that's how I felt. It would just hurt me, you know? And my mom did this once in a while. She would get drunk and tear me up and it was just like, why? But it wasn't me per se it was her thing that she's going through the drinking the drugs you know cheating and all this stuff it was just building up in her and she struggled with that you know most of the time me growing up you know so i during that time i finally get to go meet my father my biological father they find me out to florida and I get to meet him, and I'm like, oh, wow, this is my biological father. Oh, my God, wow, we are the same skin. You know, whoa, this is crazy, you know? And I'm starting to meet my family, you know, my other side of my family. And we're all the same. Like, our, our personalities are kind of, like, the same. And I'm starting to see, like, wow, this is my family, you know? But I still consider my stepdad my family, too, you know? But while being in Florida, I got to meet my, my biological father and seeing that, wow, He's pretty messed up, too, because while I was in Florida for the first time as a seven-year-old, I was there for a few weeks, and he took off and left me with my aunt and my grandmother, and he was caught up doing drugs, too, you know, and just that life where I'm just like, wow, so my stepdad, who was a drug addict, you know, uh, my biological father's a drug addict, and living in the world, and just leaves me with my grandma and my aunt and stuff to watch me while I'm supposed to be going to Florida to visit him. That was heart wrenching as a child seeing that like, well, I guess all dads are like this. And which leads me to why a kid like that, like me, you know, I'm talking third person, like I'm somebody, but, like, <laughs> like, like, but a child going through that, why would you believe in God or your Holy father? 
you know, quote unquote, why would you if the, the men in your life are nothing but mess ups? But then that's what was the hard thing for me growing up. I remember coming back to California and my mom would go to church once in a while, but then she just could not go. She would like once in a while go to church, take me with her. Praise the Lord. She jumped in. And then when she got home, she was cracking open a beer and, you know, it's like, so do we go to a, I hate to say it, are we going to a Catholic church now? Like, what do we do here? You know, like, what's up? You know, is there, are we going to repent for us? It's like, I was understanding it, but my mom was like, do whatever you want. Like, didn't really care. Like, she was saying, like, she would go to church to get her feel good on and then, like, come back home and go back to the world again. You know, and it sucked because that's all I saw growing up, you know. And uh, like I said, my mom would beat me up and do all those things, but it was like, I still loved her. She was my mom. And she was the only one there, te technically, excuse me, uh, while my uh, stepdad was taken off and binging out doing drugs, my uh, uh, biological father being in and out of prison. Because the second time I went to go visit him, he was behind prison walls. And she, my fiance saw the, the pictures of me going to visit my biological father, and he's in his jumpsuit in prison, and I'm holding an arm around him. Like, my dad was a gangster. You know, and that's something else too. Like he was living in the world and just being a gangster. Like I, his brother, my uncle, um, got thrown off a cliff in Santa Cruz mountains for a bad drug deal that went bad before I was even born. You know, they ran with the Mexican mafia. It was the, the, um, that one game, it was another game that had an issue with them. It was a dra bad drug deal and his brother got thrown off a cliff, you know, and this is the life that. Me as a kid is growing up and seeing and witnessing and being told about and then the drugs and everything like that and being lost, just lost in the world. What's good? What's bad? I don't know. I'm just living life, you know, like, okay, don't hit women because I've seen my mom get beat up. I'm not going to beat up my kid because I'm seeing I'm getting tore by my parents. You know what I'm saying? Like not seeing, seeing my father's, you know, earthly fathers, you know, running the muck. You know, living in the world, generational sin all the way around. It's just a big cycle. But that that's what um, I was raised to. Like, I didn't know better, you know, and it's being in a hood life and how people, um, how do you say, say it's okay to have break up the, the household and move on because we're not getting along. The kids will just learn and we'll just talk to them about it and deal with our divorce and our, you know what I'm saying? Cheating and all this stuff. When we are leading our children to damnation and don't even know it, you know, and that's what hurts the generational, this, that, that the fatherless and the mother sin, that all that and why I believe, and it says in the Bible that men should lead a Christian life. You should have a Christian foundation, uh, marriage, um, that because if you build it on sand, it will crumble, you know? And, I, I strongly believe that now, but back then I didn't, you know, and this is, you know, I'm going through high school now and I wrestled in high school, played football, did all these things, you know, and my mom, I think she went to like a handful of games. She never, I never got no support in that. My dad, stepdad never went to nothing. I mean, one or two football games or whatever. And it was just like, I was an athlete. I was bad. You know, I was one of those bad dudes. Like, oh, I'm going to go somewhere, you know, with this. And one of the things I found out that scouts look at is, are both parents in the household? How is this now? I didn't know what was good or bad, you know? And um, 
but I had to bring up one of my friend's dads, um, Mr. Andrew Rodriguez. A lot of love for this man. I saw him as a father, too, because my best friend Andrew, um, growing up, I would go to their house to get away from the chaos. Because when Friday rolled around, that's when the weekend started. That's when the alcohol came out. My family started a party. And I didn't want to be home, so I would go to my friend Andrew's house, and I would see his family, and I'm like, wow, you guys are like white picket fence kind of thing. You know, like it was like, leave it to Beaver, like they're real nice, and look at them. But not knowing that he was in a gang too, and his mom was in a gang, like, but they got saved, and they accepted Jesus Christ, their personal Lord and Savior, and I went to church with them not knowing their past, but then he was teaching um, youth ministry. And I remember filling in the Noah's Ark color. I remember like a, like like it was yesterday. And it really sank in then. I'm going, wow, this is cool. Your dad was a G, bro. <laughs> like, and then he saved now this whole God thing. I'm wow. But I really didn't like swallow into it too much. I won't say like I fell into it. I just, wow, dude. I used to tell my, my, my best friend Andrew, like, dude, your dad's cool, bro. Like he was a G and like. I, I respected him a lot, you know, but growing up, that's who I looked up to as a father figure. It wasn't even my real parents, you know, and that's what was crazy. It was looking up to other men like my uncle and everyone else. My uncle played for um, the Sun Devils. He was a corner, a defensive back killer. You know, he was a, a G2. Like, I'm like, look at this cool football player, you know, um, Monroe from the 49ers. He used to come over our house and kick it with us. You know, we had a lot of athletes around us all the time and these positive people and that's who I look towards to but like those same people had faults like Monroe that scored the first touchdown and the um, the Dolphins and the 49ers Super Bowl I think is 1984 he died of an overdose of Valiums a lot of people don't know that my uncle was affected you know like and me growing up and seeing that I was like whoa how did he do this he was a superstar you know and my mom saying like oh he's just living in life but in the reality he was living in the world you know he wasn't safe you know what i'm saying like he was doing this when he's coughing up those volumes to take away pain and stuff from his body you know that's what i was told but not knowing so i've had all this chaos growing up as a kid right and i remember uh it was i think it was my senior year in high school sophomore year senior. i can't remember quite my mom i got tired of my mom beating me this is where he like started to draw a line and where I started to just do me is, you know, the, the Catholic white Bible that every Hispanic family has in the middle of their coffee table, <laughs> you know, that big one. And it's like, I, I was remember grabbing a movie and, uh, you know, when you have the sliding VHSs. Yeah. So I was on my knees and I was pulling that out and like, I went to grab it, I grab a movie and my mom's, my dad's like, just grab any movie, just throw it on, let's just kick back and watch a movie. And my dad, mom, my little brother's there. So I grabbed this one and my mom says, don't watch that again. I was like, does it really matter what you want? And I was being a sarcastic kid, you know, just being whatever. And she picked up that Bible and cracked me across the head with it. And it popped my neck and I got dizzy. I lost, like, I won't say consciousness, but I got dizzy and I went to a knee. And that's where I was, I was hurt. And I saw my mom coming towards me and I couldn't stand up. Like I was messed up. And then I, I popped back into it. And I stood up against my mom and I cocked back, like, I'm going to knock you out, woman, like, for doing that to me. And uh, I remember my stepdad, like, jumping across over the coffee table and grabbed me and, like, held me like a bear head and was like, son, two wrongs don't make a right. 
let's go. Let's get out of here. And my mom's making me feel bad. Like, oh, you're about to hit your mother or whatever. I was like, you beat me up all the time. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm like 6'3", six, 6'4", six, whatever. And she's 5'1", five, 5'2", five, and she's whooping my butt all the time, you know. So this is all I knew. Chaos, fighting, whatever. And I think that was the last time my mom ever drew her hand on or got close to hitting you. Because after that, she would just throw the phone across the room. <laughs> you know? And you remember those white cordless phones with the yellow batteries? Oh, yeah. Yeah. My best friend, Andy, was sitting across from me one day. And um, she was, like, standing far away in the hallway. And she had all these plants. She had a green thumb. And I was looking at her. And she was I was, like, staring in the corner of the room. And I touched her plant. And I looked at her. And I, like, kind of did the flinch move. Like, what are you going to do? And I touched her plant again. It was like this big old beautiful plant. I just kept t tapping the leaf. And she chucked that phone across. <laughs> and by the time I looked towards her, <laughs> that phone broke apart. And all I saw was that yellow battery coming across my face. <laughs> just spinning around. <laughs> and I'm going. I was like, yep, yeah, she got me. And my, my top of my eyelid was swollen. You know? And I'm like, oh, I'm tore up here. You know? Like. And my friend goes, well, at least she's not hitting you, like, face-to-face -face anymore. She's throwing it across because she's going to get a chance to run away from you. And I was like, man, this ain't cool. But, like, that was okay. Like, that was the life I was living, you know. It was just chaos. And, you know, not knowing that what schools go to. I went to, like, four different elementary schools. I went to, like, two or three different middle schools. I went to four different high schools. And it was because... My stepdad with the drugs, now we can't afford rent. We're having to sell one of the cars to pay rent, or he's giving one of the cars to the drugs. It was chaos in my house. It was nothing like you can't. I came home not knowing if there was going to be food in the house or whatever. Like, what what are we going to do? You know, and that's how it was. And we just kept moving around. And uh, I couldn't wait. When I when graduation happened, I was gone. Like I I try to stay with my family and try to have a good relationship father son with mother dude once i got the opportunity i was gone like you couldn't see me and um this is i say in my early 20s i already started i got a motorcycle got my class m got my class a and i disappeared i when i got my class a license i hit once i hit 21 i was gone you couldn't find me i was 48 states uh, living across the country truck driving and doing my thing and um and whatnot. And there's some more things that happen between that, but I don't want to get into it. I'm just enough's enough. Like I didn't live a great life. Okay, in a great childhood. But through that, I, I was still able to find God. And that's where I'm gonna I'm gonna lead to is that I was riding my motorcycle and I was doing my thing, living in the world. And me and my mom, we quit having a father's I'm excuse me, a mother-son relationship. It just it died. It went from being friends. We were friends now. It wasn't a, like, let's do this and hang out for Thanksgiving dinner. Those days were gone, you know? It was like, now she knows I'm an adult, and I was into smoking pot a lot, and she was too because she had um, chronic foot pains and everything. She had her toes amputated, everything before she passed, so she had a lot of issues. But I remember, like, smoking a joint with my mom. Like, that's okay to smoke a joint with your mom? Like, no, it's not okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's nothing good about this stuff, you know? And that's the life I was living, you know? And uh, knowing that California was too expensive, I decided to um, move back. I mean, move from Cali to Kansas City. And the reason I moved out here is I had a friend that had a trucking business, and I already had my Class A license and whatnot. And um, I had just had a son. 
and I didn't want him growing up in that same situation, uh, especially in California, you know, the hood, the ghetto. I was living in Stockton. I don't know if you guys know who the Nate Diaz brothers are. Like, okay, there you yeah, go. So that absolutely. shows that shows the 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 atmosphere of that town and in California. I mean, we were fighters. Everyone was fighting. Like that was it. Like we would go just go to bars just to all right, let's go throw it down in the parking lot. Like, you know, and that's how it was. And, um, I mean, my mom, mom beat me up the whole time. Like when I came to go to a fight, I was like, this ain't nothing. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. You know, if you win some, you lose some. We're still fighting. We ain't shooting each other. And, uh, that's how it was, you know, it was rough. And then, um, so we moved here to Kansas city. I moved my ex here, you know, my son's mother, and I had my son up here, and we're everything's going. I, I bought my truck. Everything's looking cool. This is around 2015, you know. And um, I just moved here. My mom passes away. I'm like, oh man, like that was that hit me hard, you know, because I always wanted to kind of fix our relationship and make it a good son and mom, and like I wanted that, but I never got the opportunity. You know, and that's why I get on people's case when I see their like snap back around. Oh, I got my mother, and I got to go do this with my mom. I don't really want to do this. I'm like, go do that. Go be with your mom, bro. Because I wish I could be there with my mom now. Cause she ain't here now. You know, I, I would love for her to see how I went, how I am now. You know, like she she probably wouldn't recognize me. You know, and um, that hits hard with me. You know, and uh, I don't hold nothing against her. Through all everything she put me through, I still love that woman. You know, and I love her to death. You know, and she did the best that she could do with being, have being lost, bro. She didn't have the Lord, you know? And I think that's what um, I tell people I don't struggle with is knowing that I love her to this day, no matter what, you know? And if you have an opportunity to be with your mom, go be with her. You know what I'm saying? Go spend time with your family because you never know when she's going to check out, when they're going to be gone. They're not going to be here because you might check out early. You know what I'm saying? And you never know. But, um, that being said, I came down here and uh, everything was good, you know? And I'm like, all right, everything's swell. And I'm, I'm digging, I'm making money. I'm my owner-operator, truck driver. Everything's on the up and up. And then one time I was doing my taxes. I'm doing my fuel receipt taxes, whatever. And I, I grabbed my ex's computer to do them. And some messages pop up. And it's this other man. And she's been talking to and having relations outside of our, uh, outside of ours. And I didn't know how to take it. You know, I was just, what the heck is going on? But see, we weren't married. We're living in sin. We were, we're living together. We had our son again. We, you know, we had a, a, a son out of wedlock and everything. And that was the enemy right there, you know? And uh, she had another relationship with another man and I caught it. And I tried not to like focus on that. Like I was, like, I was mad, but at the same time, like, okay, calm down. I'm going to go on the road and talk to her about it, and we're going to try to figure something out. And I took off to Texas to go do a load, and I was talking to her, and I was like, yo, I, I found her. I think it was best I talked to you over the phone. Not face-to-face because, you know, she's probably intimidated by me. I'm 6'6", six, six, whatever. So she, um, I, call, I talked to her, and she goes, we're packing up. We're leaving. I was like, don't do this to me because this is exactly what my mom did with my biological father when I was born. You're taking my son away from me. And it's weird how that all cycles around when you're living in the world. You know, and it happened to me. She she left. She went back to California, took my son and everything. And um, 
I lost I lost my son right there on that one. I mean, I have a relationship now, but he was gone. I came back home to an empty house. It was it's it's chaos after that. Like I was like I was lost again. I have my son. I was like, oh, maybe I should go back to California. But what is that going to solve? What's done is done. I have my business out here. I had everything. That's what I was thinking then. You know, it would probably have been different if I wasn't, you know, living in the world still. And uh, I lost it. I felt like I lost everything because a lot of people know I had a daughter too. And I lost her in wedlock when I was 19 years old. And I never had a relationship with her. And that's something like I, it hits hard with me, you know. And I, I, it's hard for me to talk about because it felt like growing up that it was just parents, no, no, no fathers, no, no mothers, no nothing. Even talking about my daughter now kills me because I don't have a relationship. I'm trying to work on that, you know, and, um, it's something that in my life that affects me to this day, you know, and, um, growing up, I'm in the twenties, just living it up, thinking that I'm doing right, but I'm not, I'm not by with my kids. And then my son comes along and I'm like, okay, I'm going to try to be a good dad. And she takes off with my son. Both my kids are not in my life. What am I supposed to do? You know? So I'm like, well, I guess this is how life is. So I started just jumping on my motorcycle and just taking off, riding around Kansas City. Uh, one club saw me. They were an RC or whatever. They were like, hey, come ride with us. I was like, okay. I started riding with this group. One thing led to the other. They asked the, the big club that I was a part of, the Banditos, um, Hey, we're looking for someone to let us, you know, support us, to let us be a club. Because, you know, you have to go ask yeah. other clubs, you know, one percenter clubs. And the band, the banditos at the time said, hey, oh, what about you? You just want to be in a support club? And I was like, I don't know. You know, like, whatever. And at this time, I was really doing bad. Emotionally, drinking heavily, drugs, whatever. I was lost. Like, and then when the banditos are like, Hey, I'm like, Oh, an outlaw club. I wasn't already doing outlaw stuff. Let's just go this route anyways. And, uh, I went that route and, um, uh, they were like, come out this way. And I was like, all right. And I started hanging out with them. And then it was weird is when you join an outlaw club, you think that you're going to be more outlaw, but in actuality, they were slowing me down. There was a reason they were hitting me up. And I don't say they knew what it was or I knew what it was. Only God knows. And and glory to him because when I joined the Banditos and they asked me to come around them and hang around them and do the whole prospecting stuff, they were slowing me down. They were bringing me down to reality. If you do this outlaw stuff and this guy comes over with that colors or the same colors, you're going to get in trouble. So they were teaching me a lot of being a man and I didn't know how to be that. So I'm thinking, okay, I could be a bandito because I'm already, I will say a G, but I was, I was holding my own and I was doing whatever I wanted, but they put a little bit of, how should I call it? Uh, like a little guidance, guidance in my life. Yeah. Like, and, but then everyone around me is like, oh no, you're doing cool. You're doing good. Don't join that outlaw club. I'm like, they're slowing me down because not everyone knew what I was doing. You know, they weren't knowing that once Friday came around, I was grabbing that tequila and <laughs> riding on my bike. I used to have a spot. I still do. It's kind of weird. I used to have a spot to put my alcohol on my Harley and, like, roll with it and, like, crack it open and take a sip and then, like, put it away. But you never see it. Like, I've had cops pull me over and it's sitting right there and they don't, they don't see it. Like, I had a hide spot for it. And um, 
And that's how I was rolling before the banditas. So when I come around the banditas, they're like showing me a little bit of guidance and stuff. And I'm like, oh, this is how you're supposed to be? Oh, yeah, this, you know, like there's rules to the game here. There's, like, a, there's a lot of structure that goes along with being in an out, outlaw motorcycle club. Right. And you got you to gotta follow that. To be an outlaw, you have to follow these laws. That's right. kind of weird about it. But. Right. And like, so I joined this club and like, um, so at the time my son's gone, my daughter's gone. And it's like, and even t- talking about my daughter hurts my heart because I'm still so trying and praying every day that she comes back into my life. I really didn't have a good relation with her. She was in and out of my life, you know. And I think that's one thing that I haven't come to terms with yet, you know. And I'm still trying to work on that. My son, I, she just came back in my life, and I'll talk about that a little later. But the club, yeah, I come in this club, and I'm seeing how the club is ran. And I'm like prospecting through it, you know, doing the whole prospecting thing. And I'm like, hmm, I don't know about this. They're slowing me down a little bit. I can't go do my gangster stuff. It's <laughs> like I was really worse before even coming in. And they showed me guidance and everything. So I, I don't knock clubs that much. I tell everyone, like, you know, some people just need clubs to straighten their lives out. Some people go to clubs just to get a little out, to get away from the family. I understand. But it's like, for me, it was knocking me down a few notches my ego came down tremendously you know so i finally get my going through prospecting i was like i don't know if i dig this whatever i finally get my colors and i wasn't happy like i was like think when i got my colors oh joy i'm gonna have my colors on my back i'm gonna be stoked i was so empty at that time i was like oh man i got my colors and i'm not even happy. i didn't want to sew them on there i left that brother's house when I was sewing my colors on and I put safety pins on there because I was about to go home and tear them off. I did not like the way like I was being treated. I'm like, oh, well, brothers get treated this way? Like, and you know what's up. You live in that life. So it's like, I I don't want to put their business out there, but I already felt a little bit of resentment towards some of these guys because what they made me do when I prospected. I didn't dig it. Like, I'm like, I thought you were supposed to love your brothers and you're making me do this dumb stuff but uh yeah i didn't even throw my i didn't even sew them on all the way i safety pinned them got home and was like dreading putting the rest of the threads in there <laughs> and i'm like sitting there this sucks you know and like i did it i sewed them on and we were going to nationals right that later that week they gave me my colors before nationals they didn't want to do it at nationals and uh, so i'm just a guy there with like just a newbie now, you know, I'm going to national. I don't have to work nationals and stuff like that. Um, I'm, I'm trying not to talk too much about the clubs. Sure. Here, right? Right, so, um, and how I totally got started into it, but I got into national, I got to nationals my first time and I was like, okay, this is cool. I don't have to go pick up trash or whatever, whatever prospects do. And, uh, I wasn't happy. I, I was already feeling like this. I don't know if this is for me already been around the club for two years like thinking like this is what's up you know and there was already internal drama in the club and i was like not i won't say club but the chapter more 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 or less so i was like dealing with drama already and i'm like i don't like this because this is not my drama it's everyone else's so because you have the colors on you get pulled into it so you're part of the drama now too and you're just like wait a second i didn't sign up for this <laughs> right <laughs> you know like i just want to party ride my motorcycle and drink and party that's all i want to do here love my brother and hey you need help i'll go cut your grass for you if you're out of town like 
whatever you need, you know? But it wasn't like that. It was total just chaos. And I'm just like, why is it like this? What's going on here? I signed up for this and it was just, I didn't know, like I said, I was been solo for so long. When you finally get around a bunch of people, when you get different personalities, different egos, different, it's just, whoa. It was a, sh it was like shock to me. Like, what is going on here? You know? And, um, then when you're allowed, because as, as a full patch member, you come in and you're allowed to see everything, hear everything. And I'm going, I thought I was messed up. <laughs> like, woo, you guys are, wow, they're all toasty on this one. You guys are on fire, you know? <laughs> like, like, and then, like, I would go and, um, and um, hang out with them and stuff. You know, time goes on and I, I lost my colors, like, right away because I kind of, like, got upset like i was like putting my foot down with stuff like i don't dig this i don't like this like i'm a brother i should have a say so no nah, i don't work that way <laughs> in the outlaw world i'm a newbie i should I'm, you're still prospecting almost like you yeah, know never stop prospecting. never stop prospecting one of the biggest rules and i was like none of this like i don't want to deal with this and they took my colors away and i was hot because i knew the truth i knew it was up and i was like i wasn't allowed to like blurb it out because you got to be secretive quote unquote in reality it's just he's being shady he's being shady but you can't be shady yet because you're a newbie it's kind of like weird you're just like okay so i'm gonna get my colors knocked because i said something and that's what happened you know it sucks but it is what it is because those guys that took my colors away now i pray for them even though i'm not in the club and they're not even in the club no more i still pray for those guys i still pray for a lot of those dudes and i hope the best for them and because i grew to love them you know what I'm saying? And that's just love thy enemy, love thy neighbor, love thy friend like yourself. And I, I hold true to that because I would have a lot of resentments. I would have just quit the club, you know. But um, so I'm going through it. I'm in the club. And uh, how long How long did they make you re-prospect? Or did they just center punch you, take center patch, or do you re-prospect? Oh, when I re-prospect, it was like a month. Okay. They took all my colors. They made me cut my colors. And I was pissed. I was like, because I didn't want to sew these on in the first place. <laughs> I like prospecting because it was it was fun. Like Because you just get told what to do. When you become a member, then you have to do things. And you're not knowing if you're doing them right or wrong. Or being away a certain way to your brother. You don't know. You're still kind of learning. So it's like when you get your colors, you're like, I guess I'm doing right. And I'm standing up for what I think is right. And then it's wrong. And you get your colors stripped. And you're just like, well, that sucked. I, because I'm taught this, remember we spoke earlier, double-edged sword. Right. It, it's whatever that higher guy wants, that's what he gets. And you got to you gotta consume to that, you know, and it is what it is. And that's living in the world right there. I mean, hardcore, because there's no true right or wrong. You'd be like, well, that's right is right, and what's wrong is wrong. But do you really know what that is? You know, the only what's, what's only right and right and what's wrong and wrong is what's in the Bible. You know what I'm saying? And we're not living by that. We're an outlaw motorcycle club, you know? And um, so, you know, I get my colors back. And then, like, a few months later, uh, they're like, hey, you're going to be a, um, you're going to be an essay. And Sergeant Arms and I was like, ooh, I'm going to get to just knock those out. <laughs> I'm going right back to, like, what I'm good at, you know, like, just, just fighting and stuff. And um, so I go and... Um, I get back into it 
and they're you're an essay now you're a sergeant artist. i just got my colors back and i'm like okay now you're gonna promote me so i guess there was some truth behind what happened you know and um i get promoted as essay and i'm like okay so i'm gonna be around the president all the whole time and but when i was an essay i'm like wait a second i get to do what i want again i get to I'm going to go take off and be on my own. So like, that's what I did. I was partying it up again. And my brothers weren't even that much around. My president's like, I'm staying home this weekend. I'm like, I'm out dude. <laughs> and hitting the bars and bar bouncing and stuff like that. And then before you know it, um, they were like, Hey, we're going to promote you to vice president. And I was like, why? And it was to slow me down, basically. Again, I, that's what I got from it. It was to like, hey, we're gonna put. You're starting to get a little out there again. Reel me back in here, you know. And I think that's what it was, because there was a lot of men in our in our chapter that were just like, nah, bro, I'm not even near qualified as these other guys here. These guys are more legit, bro. Like, <laughs> like I won't say more trustworthy, but they're following the rules more than I was, you know. But I think it was to put a cap on me, and um, they did, and. Um, it was all good. Like I wasn't stressed. I was a VP and, um, I was, uh, I had a relationship and I, I was in the club and I mean, she was, how do I say this? We weren't married. We're living together. Not good, you know? And, um, it was already a little faulty, you know? And there was time where I was just like, okay, how do, I don't know how to treat a woman right. Like I'm remember, <laughs> I saw the men treat the women in my life growing up and how women treat men. And I didn't know how to, how to be a good man, you know, and no Christian foundation, no nothing, you know? And, uh, I was going through it already. So I already felt that relation, that relationship I was in falling again. And I'm like, man, I don't know if I could deal with this, whatever. And later on that year, um, it was November of 2020. So the whole COVID thing, so 2020 rolls and of November and my truck gets stolen, my commercial truck, my owner, that's my bread and butter, you know? And, uh, I get it stolen. And then like two days later they recover and they jacked it up and I'm like, dang it. Like, what's up with this, man? Like everything was going cool. So I get the truck back and the insurance company says you have to wait for the police report. So they could say that it was a legit, legitimately stolen truck. Like I didn't do it myself. I'm an outlaw motorcycle. So they're going to think the right, worst, right, you know? Right. So I had to wait 20 something days and then they got the, I got the report and then the insurance company, it was another 30 days to say like, okay, we're going to fix it. And then it went to the shop and had to wait another 30 days to get it back. So on this time period, almost three months, no working, not doing nothing, just middle of winter time. You know, winter, you don't ride your bike. And what has happened in all motorcycle clubs during winter? Drama. Right. Because <laughs> I see your wife laughing too because she knows. Because <laughs> you're not riding or anything, drama starts occurring because people just start talking. And that's what happens in motorcycle clubs. But at that time, I was reaching for the Bible. It was weird because when I started to go through trials and tribulations, I was like, hmm. The Bible's there. Maybe I should pick it up now. And I started reaching for it. And uh, I started reading, um, what is it? Uh, Proverbs every day. Um, because there's 30 Proverbs, 30 days. So yeah. I read, I'll read a chapter. And that was happening. And then, like, I started reading um, 
I think it was Romans or something like that. I can't remember exactly what, but um, I got my truck back and I was like, okay, I'm in the Bible now. Everything's starting. But then I remember I was getting emotional. And usually I'm not emotional. I'm just like stiff as a, you know, like a railroad post, you know, and like I was, I was hard, you know, and that's how I had to be. But I was really emotional at that time because I started to feel that love for the Lord, not knowing that's what it was. And I was starting to purge everything out and the pains and stuff. Because it starts talking about the Bible, like your fathers and all this stuff and your children and, you know, the prodigal son and all that. And I'm going, whoa, <laughs> Matthew, I wrote Matthew, yeah. I wrote Matthew. And that's what it was. And I'm like, this is getting heavy, you know. And then there was an issue that happened in the club. It was March. And I'll never forget this because, like, it was... He said, she says, drama, blah, 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 blah. Eternal issue inside the chapter. And really, I won't say I had nothing to do with it. I knew what some things were going on, but not all things. And I remember just getting a call, like, we're about to go to court. And I was like, there's court and clubs? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, you know? And I was just like, okay, whatever. So we did a thing. So I'm like an emotional wreck at this point. I just got my truck back. I just started working. I've been in the Bible, in the Word. My relationship's falling apart at home, you know? Like, I felt it all. And some drama occurred. So there was, he's not president anymore. He's getting prospected. Blah, 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 blah. All because one or two men said something they should have done doing what they're not supposed to be doing. Okay? And it was a laundry list of stuff. But it wasn't just on one person. It was multiple people, you know, involved. And really, it was dumb. To, to me, it was dumb. I was more hurt because there was brothers mad at brothers. Like, I was hurt because, you know, emotionally, I'm like, I'm all emotional, guys, right now. I've been in the Word. <laughs> you know, like, and there's brothers hurting brothers. We're not supposed to use this. Talks about Cain here, you know. But I can't go to an outlaw club saying, I'm tore up right now because I've been reading the Bible. You know, and you can't do that. And then all of a sudden, they slap me, like, you're the new president now. I'm like, no. Like, there are so many other men in our chapter that could have been president. <laughs> you know, like, I'm like, tell these guys, I am nowhere near ready for this. And they were like, no, you're the president. It is what it is. And that's how I went down. And I was like, oh. And I was already in the word. I was already like, there's something has to be going on right now. There's something. Higher works, you know. And I knew the Lord was working, but I didn't want to admit it because I was still fighting it, you know. And I, I go home and some guys quit off the chapter, you know, they're hurt, you know, and I, I get it. I understood. And I was like, no, let's fix this. Let's make this work. But they were already got told so much lies and deceitfulness and all this stuff. The enemy was working tremendously. When I mean enemy, the devil, you know, yeah. not a person, because I say all the time in this world, I have no enemies. The only enemy I have is, the, is Satan himself, because a lot of these men out here, they're just lost and they can have resentment towards you and hurt you. But in reality, they're just living in the world themselves. They're lost too. They're they're not really your true enemy. There's only one true enemy. And I tried something. I'm going to pray for this man. And that's what I started doing little by little. I was praying for these guys, not knowing that I was really supposed to be doing that. You know, like I was like, I'm going to start praying for these guys because this doesn't feel right. And I was, I was lost at that time. And, but I'm reading the Bible and I just became president and I'm like, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to go to nationals. Everything's going to be all right. Everything's in cool. And nationals were just a couple months later. So I rock off to nationals and I'm starting to get into the word. I'm thinking everything's okay. But see, I wasn't sharing the word with my girlfriend at the time. I was just in my own little circle, in my square box, 
just picking up the Bible, reading it. And when she came around, I was hiding it, throwing it under the bed or putting it on the coffee table under some paperwork, you know. I was doing the hide the switcheroo stuff, you know. And um, <laughs> and I remember I go to Nationals and I, I came back home from Nationals. It was um, Memorial, Memorial Day Nationals. Go figure, today's Memorial yeah. Day. So uh, I get home and my house is empty. I'm like, what the heck? My ex packed up the house, took everything, moved out. Came back home to an empty house. So more broken I feel. I'm hurt, tore up, and I'm like, Lord, just show me a sign here. Give me some, you know. And I'm still not living righteously, but I'm digging in the Bible thinking like, okay, there's got to be some truth here. But I think the enemy was just doing that to bring me back. Like, all right, I'm just going to go find another chick. Screw it. I set the Bible aside. Like, no joke. I mean, literally set the Bible aside. I'm going to go out and I'm just going to go party or whatever. And then I started dating a friend of mine, you know. It was stupid. We should never date. We were friends. We were solid, you know. And um, I tried to be a boyfriend, but I wasn't ready, you know. And I was like, this sucks. Like, I'm not being a good man. Like, maybe I should open this Bible up again. So I was like, bring it back to myself. And then um, I get a phone call. And then it's from the president of the Soldiers for Jesus and he's like, hey, one of your members here is going to get baptized. I shouldn't be telling you this. I'm sorry, bro, if you're hearing this. <laughs> but this is how I found out. <laughs> and he goes, um, he goes, one of your brothers is going to get baptized. Maybe you should um, come and check it out. And I'm like, okay. Like, and I literally, when he's talking to me, I have a bottle of alcohol in my hand. And I'm at home. And I'm like drinking my sorrows away, I guess you could say. And I was like, I guess, whatever. I'll go, you know, like, you know, and like I set it aside and um, I go and come and lo and behold, he's the president of that state, you know, of another state and that's somewhere where me and you yeah, met yeah. and I'm sitting there going, oh, like, I guess there's some truth behind this because I was like, and I told the, you know, the president at the time, I was like, I was like, bro, I didn't know we could get baptized in this club. I didn't know we were allowed to do this stuff. And he goes, yeah, why not? It's your life. And I'm going, but we're outlaws. Like, this isn't making sense, bro. Like, I was like, we're about to go do some gangster, you know. I said that word. But yeah. that's how I thought, you know. Like, I do whatever I want. But uh, he gets baptized, and that's when you can either we're all standing on the deck. And yeah. then I, yeah, I'm about to go do some gangster stuff. But I said it, you know, in the bad word way. And I put my glasses on. And I'm like, I see you there. And I'm just like. No. Like, who's this little guy? Like, I was like, he's a prospect for our club. He's like 5'4". 5'5". 5'5". And I'm like sitting here like, this little cute little guy, he ain't going to make it. <laughs> I was like looking a little leprechaun with a little chunky under him. And that's how I was thinking, like, you know, this dude's not going to cut it, right? And um, But then, like, I, I met you and everything, and I was looking at him like, tapping the other president at the time and I'm going, these are one of your guys. And he goes, yeah. And I was like, does he know what motorcycle, what we do here? And he's like, you'll be all right. And I was like, okay. And then really liking you. Like we had a lot of things in common. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, go figure, you know? And I was like, oh, this dude's righteous, you know? And, um, but that day he gets baptized. So when I left 
there, I wasn't going... I, yeah, I was going to go do some gangster stuff. But something told me not to. Like, I, maybe I shouldn't go do what I was about to go do. And I'm not going to say what I was across the air. But it wasn't good. It wasn't good. It was the middle of the week. I remember it was like a Tuesday or Thursday. It was a Thursday, I think it was. Wednesday or Thursday. And I was about to go handle business right after that. And something told me, don't do it. You know, Mateo, go home. You know, and that's what I was telling. That was someone's telling me that. So I was like, I went home. And uh, I remember I crawled in the couch and it was open up the window and bawling. Like, dude, my brother just got baptized. There's some truth behind this, you know. I'm going to go hit up some. Uh, uh, what, he got baptized, I think it was in July. It was in July he got baptized. I think it was. Yeah, I remember being hot. It was caliente. So I go to lay down, and uh, I was thinking deep on this one. I'm like, there's something not good here. The relationship I'm in. She was a good girl. I'm not going to say it was. I'm Bless her heart, whatever. She was a good girl. She was just not fond of believing in God. <laughs> you know? So, like, <laughs> and, um, but it's like, I pray for her still, too. That woman, too. Like, because, you know, man, you're supposed to lead correctly. I wasn't leading correctly. And I put that all on my, in my hands, you know? And um, August rolls around. And this is, like, a few weeks later. Not that month, Not even a month later. Uh, I was still going through it emotionally. Still trying to play president, still trying to be a G, still trying to run a, a chapter, still going through the works, but the Lord was pulling me in another direction. And I remember it was August 19th, 2021, and I'm trucking, and all of a sudden, no joke, like, I just felt 100 pounds heavier, like, just a weight of heaviness, and I started bawling heavy. And I was like, I can't do this no more. I'm done. Like, not know what I'm done from. Not suicide. It was just, I'm done. I can't do this no more. Because I remember just getting 20 phone calls a day, running at night, just constant go, go, go. Going to work, trying to be a good, you know, owner-operator, owning a truck, trying to be good to my contractor. It was too much. I just, I was carrying that that weight on my shoulders. And I, I called uh, Poncho from the soldiers for Jesus. I'm going to say his name. Like he's, he's a good guy. You know, like, like, you know, he's, he helped me out a lot. And I, it was Steven. I'm not going to let all these guys, repo man, all those dudes, there was Jag, all these guys I played a big part. But before that day, I'm going to tell you what happened. It was the week prior. They were doing Romans and Bible studies and Bible studies. They did chapter 10, verse nine. I can't remember. Saving, getting saved. And, I was like, that's it. That's what I've been missing. <laughs> Since November of the year prior, I haven't read that. Like accepting Jesus as your personal receiver. I didn't know. I was just reading chunks here, 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 but not knowing that's what you have to do. So with all that weight in my heart, I did call Poncho and I was like, bro, why am I feeling this? I'm reading the Bible. What's going on here? He goes, you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And I'm going, oh, that what we're <laughs> supposed to do? Well, how do you do that? You just got to do your sinner's prayer and stuff. I was like, I don't know that. Help me. You know, like, what do I do here? And he's like, dude, just come over to my house. All right. I'm going to get off at this time. I'm going to rock my Lolo because I was rolling my 89 Crown Vic, which I still got. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone knows me for that. So, like, so I was like, I'm not going to ride my bike. So I showed up there with sandals on, some shorts. He's never seen me like, he's always seen my cut boots, my jeans, you know, and like just 
chest out, but I was so tore up. I was like, I'm in my little lowrider car, my sandals and shorts and trying to hide. I was an emotional wreck, you know, I'm hiding in the corner of my lowrider car. You can't hide in that thing. <laughs> I was like, everyone just looks at you, you know? And I'm like, I roll up and I'm like, yo, help me. Like, what's up? You know? And, um, he's like, we're going to say this prayer. You're going to say, God, you accept Jesus Christ. His only way through God is through his son. And that's it. And that's how it works. And I'm like, okay. So I got you. Like, all right, so what do I do? So I want to say this prayer. So we say the sinner's prayer. Say the prayer. And I'm like, all right. And he starts showing me the soldiers and all this stuff and all that. I'm like, wow, they're just like our club. They're taking pictures like us. They're just kind of doing the same thing, but they're a ministry, you know? I'm like, oh, okay, this is right. And I was righteous, you know? And so on the way home, that's where it started. It was dark. I'm leaving Poncho's house and I'm driving home. Niagara Falls. I mean, everything from my childhood started to accumulate. And he told me, too, the enemy's going to attack you. Absolutely. You're going to become a target. And I'm like, I'm always a target. I got a colors behind my back. I got this. You know, like, whatever. And my ego was still up there. You know, I, I don't know nothing. But I'm going home. My mom came in my mind. My stepdad, my biological father, the beatings, the, the torment that I went through as a child. And it was just like, you're no good POS. That's what was going through my head. You're never going to make it. You you suck. It was just like, all this was going through my head. I was emotional. You're never going to be a good dad to your your, your daughter. You're never going to be a good dad to your, your son. And that's when I knew, like, wow, generational sin is for real. This is how God gets you. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's showing you. This isn't the enemy anymore. This is, hey, but I still love you. And that's why I tell everyone, you got to look through Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior because he knew no sin to be all sin for us. And he died on that cross, that cross for us, and he bled on that cross for us. And he thought about me, you, and everyone in this room. And that's when I knew he was real. When I drove home that night, I got on my knees and prayed even more that I knew that I made the best decision I could in my life. And I want to thank everyone in my life, even my parents, that I still love them. I love my mom. I love my dad. Poncho, everyone, you know, Repo Man, Jag, all these guys that played a big part, in, you know, in dropping seeds. My, my, my biological father, because he was dropping seeds on me, you know, because he got saved. And I ignored him, you know, because I was hurt off what he did in the past, but not knowing he was lost. And it, I, I purged and I cried for almost a month of just sitting there just crying and hurting and letting it come out and forgiving them and everyone, my enemies, because I thought they were my enemies. They weren't, you know, it's, that's the enemy getting in your mind because he is the prince of lies, you know, and telling all these people they're not like I had no resentment towards no one anymore or hurt or anything. And I think that's what played a big part in me getting saved was like, I knew and I accepted it. And there it is. It's right there, you know? Now, but I'm still a president of this motorcycle club. What am I supposed to do? You know? And I told myself, um, I broke up with that girl I was dating at the time. And I told myself, I'm not, I'm going to wait for someone to come on. God, you put someone in my life that is going to be good to me, that I'm going to be good to them and lead them how you want me to lead them. Because that's what it says in the Bible, to lead them. You know, and I want bring her to God or find me a Christian woman, either or whatever the case may be. And uh, Lynn texts me, and I haven't spoke to her, and we met like 
two or three years prior. And I'm going to tell you a little of her testimony here, but it works with mine great. So I'm going to, I'm going to bust her out on this one. <laughs> so I wish you could all see your face right now. <laughs> <laughs> so she, she was working as a bartender. Mind you not, this woman is like a manager at a bank. She's good. She's Miss Vice President of Retail, whatever in her bank. She's she's up there. But she used to go work at this bar to go help her family. Friends of the family that owned a bar to help them out. So she was doing the bar in the back when that's when I first met her. Well, it's funny. I first met her there while I was joining that support club. That, well, support club. Yeah, that RC club before the Banditos. It was our first ride together. I meet her, and she's the bartender, and that's how we first met. But she told me when she first met me, and she didn't tell me this till later on. She goes, do you know when I first met you, I was praying to God to bring a man into my life that day, and then I meet you, and I just, like, squandered it away, like, whatever. <laughs> and I was like, really? She was like, yeah. Well, come back to now. I just accepted, you know, Jesus Christ, personal Lord and Savior. I'm, I'm hurting, and I'm like, all right, God, I'm just going to wait for the right woman. I'm going to live righteously through you, whatever. And um, like two weeks later, I get a random text message. Hey, that's all it was, H-E-Y. <laughs> I'm like, this, who is it? And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is Lynn, like from three years ago. I'm like, what the heck? So I'm like, and I was kind of mean. I was rude. I was like, she ain't no Christian. She was a bartender. Like, I heck passed judgment, you know, like I'll, I'm, I'm busy right now. I'm going through a lot, which I was, you know, emotion. I was going through a lot and I was like, hey, I'll get back to you. Don't trip. And I will, you know, man of my word. So like a week later or so, I'm like, hey, I didn't forget about you. Just going through some stuff. And I just started, um, hockey practice and stuff you know I, I play hockey so now everyone knows that but <laughs> who doesn't but and um she uh she was like okay and she was having a lot of patience with me so i was like okay i was like hey let's just go you know get a cup of coffee i was like some weird like that like how are you doing how's everything it was real short short talk she's like come over and like let's let's chill and talk i'm like well, i ain't going over there like <laughs> like what are you doing <laughs> but like and I'm like, okay but then I did go over her house and like I knew where she lived you know and I went I went down there and I remember I parked my motorcycle had my cut on and stuff and I remember walking I seen her and she looked like I won't this is not over she looked so innocent to me like this beautiful little innocent woman you know I'm like why didn't I see her like that before this is so weird you know, and she was asking, are you okay? Are you all right? What's wrong with you? And I'm like, nothing, you're good. You know, and she goes to sit on the corner of the couch and I pick the furthest seat away from her and we're talking like heck of far from each other across the room. And she's like, like, what the heck is wrong with you? But she didn't know I felt I accepted Jesus at that time. And I'm trying to play, trying to be right. You know, no sex, no nothing. No, I'm not even going to look at her like this. You know, like, I feel like this is how I'm, this is the, Bible says I'm gonna do it you know I was hard on myself and I was like so I was being super respectful I must have went over there like two or three times and she was starting to tell this is how much respect I was giving her that she was telling people that I don't think he likes me I think he thinks I'm ugly or something and I'm going what like but I didn't know this at the time I'm like seer <laughs> and like I leave her house like the third or fourth time and she I'm going to go fire up my motorcycle. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go home now. The sun's going down. 
So I'm like, I'm going home. I'm not going to stay yeah. out at night. Because it says that in the Bible, so I'm not going to do it. It says, no partying at night. <laughs> I don't know if that was in Romans. I can't remember. But Paul wrote that. <laughs> so like, and that's what everyone was like, dude, you had a Saul to Paul moment. Because you went from gangster to like Paul. Like Saul to Paul. Yeah. You were like... 100% went the other way, and I was like, really? I didn't think so. I saw some so many faults in myself, but I was trying really hard, you know? And that's faith. Now that you're putting faith, faith plus grace equals works. You know, and I try to sound not in that order. should be in that order. <laughs> like, you know, and it's like, and then I was like, and, and you know, that's how it rocks. So I was like sitting there going, okay, she, it was like the third or fourth time we go out she comes outside and she comes up to me and remember you know i'm six six so she has to reach up and grabs my face and gives me a kiss and she goes i hope you have a safe trip home i'm gonna miss you and i was like well thank you i appreciate that and then like, i got all giddy i was like i was like this is how real like emotional people are supposed to be. i'm not drinking a bottle like hey you know the more i sip this bottle the finer you're looking it wasn't one of those nights you know what i'm saying it was like a legitimate like oh this is how this is supposed to feel. I'm only 38 years old now, and I really, I'm kind of starting to figure this out, you know? Like, okay, this is awesome. And then, so we, we keep talking, and then, but I really haven't exposed me being a Christian yet. I'm just playing cool with her. Maybe that's why she was thinking, like, this dude don't like me, you know? So we start talking more, and I start throwing stuff from the Bible that I knew to, towards her. And she was like, Dad, you know a lot. Well, I've been reading a while, but I wasn't living in the, I was still living in the world. And uh, she tells me, she goes, well, do you want to know why, like, I texted you? And I was like, why? And she goes, because God told me to. I was like, wait, what? And then she brought, she started telling me when we first met, like, three years, four years prior to that, that it was, she was praying to God to bring someone in her life. And she met me, not thinking that she prayed that. And then three or four, she, you know, we just didn't work out. And three or four years later, now we're getting married next month. Well, in a month and a half now. And a lot of people don't know. Everyone's going to know it now. <laughs> so, like, you know, like, you know, we've been like, we don't want no one there. Because every time we used to, like, do everything in club world or whatever, there's always like thousands of people, hundreds of people. It's always, there's no intimacy in that world. I like intimacy now. I appreciate it now. I like being home and just me and my lady just watching TV. I'm like, okay, cool. You know, like this is cool. Like I dig it. I don't have to be hundred people partying, brothers, whatever. Those world, that world is gone, you know? So anyways, I'm still in the club. Me and her are starting a date, and everything's starting to look on the up and up. Everything's starting to look cool. But then the word gets out that I accepted Jesus Christ. There's pictures on the internet getting around that I'm holding a Bible and have this cut on. And it's like, where was like, wait a second, dude. And because I started being open about it. And the reason I started being open about it, because it says, do not be ashamed of him, because when you go to see him, he'll be ashamed of you. And that... I held dearly, you know, and that's why I'm always like preaching the word when people are like, do you believe in God? Well, I got something to talk to you about. <laughs> like, do you accept Jesus Christ your personal Lord and Savior? Like I start preaching because I don't want to, I don't want him to be ashamed of me. I'm never going to be ashamed of him, you know? 
And that's what was the heavy part is like, man, what do I do? And I remember they gave me a patch to put on over my heart that was the crucifix in the club. And I'm like, what? I'm like, we can have this stuff? Like, I'm, you know, learning, you know, about it. But mind you not, there's still people that, quote unquote, want to hurt me. You know, I'm the president. They didn't like, the, you know, certain things that happened or whatever. But I wasn't even mad at him. I was praying for him all the time. That was I just got taught that. I'm like, I pray for the enemy. But truly, do you have an enemy in this world? Or is it just Satan himself that's getting in these people's minds and hurting, you know, telling them wrong? Hmm, there's some, you know, truth behind this. So, like, I start praying for everybody. Everyone I come across, like, at work, I'm like, hey, bro, let me pray for you. You know, whatever. So, uh, we're starting, you know, our relationship, everything's going good. And then uh, that next, we had winter time comes, it slows down. And people are starting to hit me up like, hey, bro, can you pray for me and bless my bike and stuff like that? I'm going, what? What are you talking about? You know? And uh, the club scene, it was starting to get, how do you say it? It wasn't my main focus anymore. I put God before anything. And I started telling people inside the, the when we have a meetings, quote unquote, or they call it church, cars, whatever the code word is. You all know it now. <laughs> Feds, whatever. You always listen in anyways. <laughs> so, <laughs> it is what it is. Um, um, so we were having um, our meetings and uh, I said, it's no more. It's not going to be, this hall is running my chapter. Family, job, then club. I was no guys. It's going to be God, family, job, club now. From now on, we're not going to have cars on Sunday. If we don't, have, if we do have cars on Sunday, it's going to be later in the evening because we're going to, you know, I'm going to go to church. Some members started going to church. They started going to church. Their kids, whatever. And guys in our chapter were starting to ask for prayers and coming over and just talking about God. It wasn't even club stuff no more. We went from outlaw chapter to like. Where did you learn in church today, bro? Like, yeah, that was what's up, man. You know, and it, was, and it was like, it was becoming weird. You know, it was just like, it, I won't say weird. That's not a good phrase, but it was, it went, it flipped. The chapter flipped. And it was like a good thing because, and, but that's when the enemy came worse. We were getting attacked by other clubs. And it was like, why? Why are you guys doing this? We don't have no beef with you guys. Move on, get away from us. And that's where I started to have a, an issue with being a bandito and being a man of faith and being a Christian and living in the word because I was struggling between the two because I, I didn't want to play gangster no more. I don't want to be, you know, what's the saying bandito saying, um, God forgives, but banditos don't. Couldn't be that. I'm sorry. I forgive now, son. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I turn the cheek, you know? And the only times I'm going to pop you if you say something really dormant or hurting my family or whatever, Proverbs 18.6, and it says, you open my mouth, I shall shut it. <laughs> I will get unholy. <laughs> so, like, so, like, I was saying, I was being real, you know? And people were just, I mean, oh, man, it was other clubs trying to affect us and everything. We're like, get away. I would be like, hey, you know? But then I couldn't be that bandito no more. I was struggling with it. And I remember um, to the point where I wasn't even going to Nationals, helping brothers move and helping their families were dying. I was doing Christian brother stuff more than club stuff. And everyone's like, what are you going to go do? Oh, my friend's dad passed away. Well, it's a brother of the club. His dad passed. I'm going to go help him pack his family's house up and 
goes from but is it nationals? Yeah, but he's a brother. And his dad died. Let me repeat that. I'm going to go take care of business for my brother because if you don't love your brother, your murder is just like Cain is. It ain't going to be none of that. So I went and traveled and was doing that instead of going to nationals. And, and my this the, the, the nationals, our big time guys, were like, we understand. Go do what you got to do. And I'm like, what? So I was kind of stoked on that aspect. You know, they were being supportive, you know. But they knew where I was going, you know. And they, dude, my, the... Nationals was not having an issue with me at all. They were just like, man, you're leading a lot of brothers to goodness, you know. So a year later now, and um, I'm still in my colors, and I come back from helping that brother, and there was the, what do they call it, the thunder in the street? Yeah. Yeah, Soldiers for Jesus thing a year ago. And, um, yeah, this this weekend coming up. Yeah, so it's been a year. So, um I was on that point where... It's the same national run you talked about before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So now, I mean, it went from... It's crazy how this, how God cycles through everything. I, I love it, though. That's how God yeah. works. I went from going to a national, my lady taking everything, and the next year that national, I was already... I was accepting God and everything, and then a year later, this is the turning point. This is where it hit hard. I prayed... To God, like, show me what do you want me to do next. I don't care if it's be in this club, not be in this club. Where do you want? Where do you see me? What do you see me doing? Whatever you need me to do, I'm going to do it now. I'm living for you and you only you first. You were before everything. Because that's where we're supposed to be, you know? And um, I went to, uh, to the Thunder in the Street. And we already led. And, and Poncho helped a lot, too. But two guys accepted Jesus Christ, and they were like, we want to get baptized. And then Poncho was like, you're going to do it. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> like, you're about to baptize them. And I'm like, oh, man. I was like, he's like, you're ready. And I was like, and, and I was like, wait, I'm not like a pastor or a priest or anything. He's like, yes, you are. And I was like, whoa, this is heavy. Because it does say that. We're a priest. Once you you found, we, we come accountable, and we get, it gives us the, the power to do that. And I was like. Oh man. So what's the whole point of this high priest stuff? Right? And that we'll get back into that later, but I didn't know what all that meant. You know, I was still learning. I'm still, you know, and he goes, no, you could baptize. I was like, all right, let's do it. And, um, it, he was a, a, there was, he was a prostitute. He's a full fledged bandito now. And I baptized him and a support member. And while I was baptizing them in the middle of the street at thunder in the street, there was a train horn going off, so the horns were blowing. Horns man. were blowing, man. Yeah, and I was like, dang, this is hard. And that's why feet is like, when it gets that, like, oh, you know, I'm like, this is hard, bro. This is what's up. And it was it was it right there. And I told, I told myself, I was like, this is it. I just baptized two brothers. I'm turning in my colors after this. This will be the last day I wear my colors. So let's, I, got, I want to put a little more emphasis on, on these baptisms. Uh, Thunder in the Street is put on by the Soldiers for Jesus. It brings together clubs that traditionally would not be, together. be in yeah. eyesight of each other. Nope. Um, and they take put them in a town of, I don't know, maybe a thousand. It's a tiny town. Yeah, it's a hole in the wall. <laughs> and it's lined in the streets for four or five blocks. There's booths. There's all these one percenter clubs from all over the state, both sides of the border. Uh, and last year, yeah, you have... James in his in his position, and and one of these guys, a support guy, 
he's standing there. He kicks off his boots. He takes off his cut, his phone, and his gun, and he hands it to me. You're right. As you baptize I baptize And, like, for, for the people of that town or for people who are just like, oh, a motorcycle rally, I want to go check it out. This has got to be something that's just blowing their minds, that they're like, we we were scared coming up here because we've seen all these club colors. Right. All these different club colors, all these different states. Right. And, and then seeing these guys being baptized in crowds of hundreds of people. Right. Cheering and crying and all that. Yeah, and it's and what's cool about it, and this is where people get it wrong. Like, when you go to church or Christian functions or whatever, people think you have to be doing good already. No, no, no. That's like going to a hospital and being healthy. You're going to church to get fixed. Like, you're messed up, bro. Let's go to church. Let's go to Bible studies. Let's go to these Christian functions. Let's go to worship. Let's go to these worship concerts. There's so many things that God puts out here for us to get fixed. You, know, you can have church at your house. And that's what I try to tell everyone. Like, you can have church anywhere. And right there, church was happening. Right, right there in the middle of the street. Amen. And these guys accepted Jesus Christ as personal Savior. And they were like, you're going to baptize. And I was like, all right, you got it. And I did my thing. And that was the most, oh, man, I would say most spiritual feeling I felt in a long time. And I was like, man, I love this. This is where I'm going to be doing now. I was like, I was over the club thing. I was like, yeah, the president of an outlaw chapter motorcycle club is baptizing people. That's how God works. That's hardcore yeah. right there. Like that gets no harder than that. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I was like, I'm done. I'm done. Like I remember that week I was packing up my house, like getting rid of everything, turn, getting my colors. I was like, Hey, you have my whole cut. I'm not cutting these colors. I'm giving them to you guys. Like very much respect. I went to the essays house, turned them in. I, I went and spoke to a bunch of guys called nationals. I was like, Hey, I'm living for the Lord. Now this is what I want to be doing. Now, from now on, for the rest of my life, I'm going to be living for him and him only. And they were understandable. They were cool about it. And I was like, this was up. You know, and uh, I turned my colors in that following weekend. I didn't wear my colors no more. The last time I wore my colors when I baptized those two brothers of Christ. And that was, that was the, the, I knew that that was it. And it wasn't hard to turn my colors in. It was actually not difficult because I tell everyone this. You could get over anything with Jesus. I don't care what you're going through. The pain, losing your house, fighting with your wife, whatever. When you bring Jesus into it, it makes it that much more easier because he becomes your foundation. And I think people lose that, you know, and they don't know about it. They're lost, you know, and it sucks because I see it in social media all the time. These people living in the world, I'm like, man, if they just had Jesus, they would be happy. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> like you would be posting 10 selfies in two days, trying to show off, like trying to get all these likes and everything. Cause, and you wouldn't be cheated on your boyfriend, cheated on your husband, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Because all the love you need is from Jesus Christ. I'm just saying, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you find God. <laughs> the only way to God is through Jesus. And if you do that, you will never want to cheat on your husband. You Cause all the love you need is from him. And that's it. Boom. And when you guys are both living in God, it's like a pyramid. You guys get closer to God, the closer you're going to get together. And that's how it rocks. I don't know. I can't explain it any more better than that. But it's like, that's how it is. And that's how I'm, I'm leading my right relationship. Because my main focus from now on was like, I want to be a better dad now. I want to be a better husband. I want all this. And she was next. I was like, honey, I'm about to baptize you. Let's get it rocking and rolling. 
she accepted Jesus Christ, and we were at her brother's lake, and, and he had his pond in front of his house, and it was awesome. Soldiers there, pictures, but Lord, it was sweet. She goes out there. Uh, this one of the soldiers' wives um, said a little piece. Um, she was out there and got her wet, you know, dunked her, said, you know, we're thin, and I was like, anyone else? Like, oh, I was being poncho at that yeah. point. You ready, guys? Like, I flipped the script. It was so weird. And I go, I, I was like, I'm never going to be that guy. But I ended up being that guy going, all right, guys, who's next? Like, let's do it. I What poncho said to me, instead of, I'm going to go do some gangster stuff, I was being what poncho said. is like, hey, who's next? Let's rock. When you're ready, guys, let's yeah. do this. It It's a big cycle. It just happens that way, you know, because that's God. But one thing before... You know, after baptizing, you know, Lynn and, and whatever, all that stuff happening, I started to see myself living better. You know, I wasn't going out at night no more. I wasn't drinking that much anymore. I went from, okay, let's just have a beer. Let's just have this to not smoking packs of cigarettes no more to like, I just go enjoy to have a cigar now. It's like, it's weird. Like the way God works your life, like... It's 8 o'clock. Oh, got to get ready for bed now. It's getting late. <laughs> like, you know, like, and that's how it is now. Like, and then, like, I get up and I don't have anxiety no more where I'm like, holy cow, it's Saturday. It's 9 o'clock. And you're not stressing off nothing. You're just like, I got to go cut the grass. But it's a little hot right now. I'm going to go watch a movie. Man, that's what you do, you know? And it's weird how that plays because, like I said, Faith plus grace equals works. And those works come in in there. And when it does, you're you're like, oh, wow, life is just so much cooler this way. I'm digging this. Like, this is where it's at. And so after that, all said and done, you know, she gets, you know, baptized. And, like, I'm like, okay, I got to go make one thing right is with my son. I remember I haven't seen my son this whole time I was in the club. And, uh. I tried reaching out to him, and I finally reached out to his mom, and we started talking, and everything was cool, and she was like, I was like, I want to go see my son. But not to forget, I, I got a relationship with my father now, my earthly father, who is my biological father, who is saved now, who got saved when I was in high school. But I didn't know all that stuff, and he was always sending me stuff, Christian stuff, and I pushed it away. Now me and him have a relationship now. So he calls me and I'm like, what do you need? What's up? And he was never been there. But that's the right thing to do because it says in the last um, chapter of the Old Testament, it says you will be with your father and son will be united together. And I tell people that like, you know everything's right because you're not only connected with your spiritual father, you also be reconnected with your earthly father. You'll be reconnected with your children and so on and so forth because your family will be reunited, especially when you guys are all under the you know, being Christians and being under God, it will start to line back up, you know? And it did. Like, I'm sitting there visiting my dad now. My dad calls me and stuff like that. He's thinking about moving up here to Kansas. He's in, we talked about it. And it's like, man, we went from not liking each other, but love each other, but we did not like each other to, like, actually, like, being around him. And when I go visit him, we sit there and talk about the Bible for hours, I'm like, Dad, it's late. I mean, to me, it's late. He's like, <laughs> it's 10 o'clock. <laughs> like, like, and we're like talking about the word and this and that and putting on scripture, um, sermons on YouTube. And, and I mean, we went from, my dad was in prison being a gangster. I was in an outlaw motorcycle club. And now me and my biological father sitting there reading the word and having Bible studies together and watching sermons on YouTube. Like, wow. 
Like, how does this happen? Only God. And that's all I got to say because yeah. God's grace is wonderful. And I tell you, but we all fall short. Don't get me wrong. We all slip up. But our best, though, is just, it's just filthy rags at his feet. And no matter how much good we think we're doing, and we got to remember that we got to give it back to him, though. For it's sure. him. Like, because a lot of us, our egos get the best of us. And we're thinking, oh, look what I'm doing, hands on the hips. No, you ain't doing nothing because if it wasn't for him, you wouldn't be here where you're at now. Period. Amen. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, then my son, he's back in my life now. Like, I reached out to him. We go see him. And when I knew, I was like, dude, this is the woman I'm going to marry. I go see my son. This is the only woman I ever, you know, introduced to my son. And one of the first things she asked him, and I'm like, whoa, that's what I wish my parents did for me is she goes, do you know who Jesus is? To my son, who she's never met. Do you believe in God? Here, I got some books for you. And that touched my heart so much wishing that my parents did that for me. Maybe I wouldn't have lived this life, maybe, but I did live this life, and I'm still I still love God for it. Because what if I didn't reach those two the bandito and that guy in the support club, and they got saved? If I didn't do all this, you know, now they're like, that salvation for my sacrifice too. I'll, I'll do it all over again to save those two brothers, and that's how much I love it. And I would always go back and do it all over again if they would just to save those two men and save her. You know, and it's like, but it's all glory to God. It's not me. It's him because there is a plan and God has it. We just got to live it. Amen. You know what I'm saying? And that's, that's how I feel. And it's like, I, it gets just a big cycle from generational sin for me, not even knowing who my earthly father is to now knowing who my spiritual father is to my earthly father, to being in a real Christian relationship, to getting people saved from being that broken. So God healing your heart and to bringing you to where you're at today, I give it to him. And now never, no one will ever in this world will take him away from me. You know what I'm saying? I could put it down like that. And that's, I mean, the enemy could do whatever it took. And I told her the only reason that we'll break up is she gets between me and God. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, you know, and she ain't doing that. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, and I don't, and you know, what's weird is I see people hurting and I see people going through it so much. And I'm like, man, I got the answer for you. I have it right here. But they deny him. And I'm just like, oh, don't do that. You know what I'm saying? Because uh, don't worry, his hand's still out there for you. You know? I just, I wish everyone could feel this. But you know what? Some seeds are not going to grow. Some are not going to be fruitful. That's It says it in the Bible, you know? And it is what it is. But, man, I see a lot of pain out there. And I'm like, man, there's an antidote for it. And it's Jesus Christ. You know what I'm saying? He's the healer. You know what I'm saying? He's that drug I want. You know what I'm saying? And I I, I need and I, and I worship. Because if you're not worshiping him, who are you worshiping? Right there. Amen, man. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't know because... Like you said, the the way the club structure kind of works, the club you were in would be like the major leagues. Right. The club I was in would be like tri AAA. AAA minors. AAA yeah, 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 minors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the way I see it, every other club after that was single A, double A, whatever. Right, right, right. Um, we couldn't wear the same cross you could Right. for the club I was in. You came and gave me one. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, or not. yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I wore it. I was prospecting when you gave it to me, so I, I put it in my pocket. I couldn't wear it on the outside. Right. Then I became probationary, 
Um, and I was I was also a sergeant at arms and SA. Still couldn't wear it because I was probationary. Right. The day that I full patched, that was the first patch I sewed on was my cross. I really? Was, I was so proud of that cross. <sighs> and when I when I turned in my stuff, well, for one, the night before I turned in my stuff, you were the phone call I made. Um, oh, that's what's I, I called you and said, how hard was it? How hard was it for you to walk away from this call? And I was crying at the time. Oh, yeah. And you said, nah, man, it wasn't hard at all. And it, like, changed my whole outlook on everything. Right. And uh, I, that was the only patch that I, I cut off. Everything else I left on the cut, like you said, gave it back to him. I cut that one off, and I gave it to one of my brothers that was prospecting at the time. He's a full patch now. Okay. And that I was going to church with. And so he has that patch now, yes, that, that okay. cross patch now. Yeah, so. Yeah. I wasn't, okay, so it's funny that you're saying that. The last patch that I put on was my crucifix patch. Because I had almost every patch you could earn that was out, I mean, well, outlaw stuff. I earned them all. I had all the earned patches you could earn, I guess. I'm not trying to boast about that. But I was like, I want something like sentimental. And then when I got that patch, I would go visit and people would give me patches. I'm like, I'm not putting that on. This is the last one right here. And that was the last patch that I put on, you know. And it was my crucifix patch over my heart. And I thought I was going to get in so much trouble. And that's what's weird. I mean, that's not weird. I keep saying that word. The, the the big waves of the club had no issues with it whatsoever. Yeah. I was shocked on that. That's where well, they're like, oh, you believe in God? And I'm like, yeah, they're like, that's cool. It wasn't, they didn't hate on you. You know, it was like, I could go across the grocery store right now and be like, yeah, I believe in God. And they were like, shame of you, you know, because it's all about pride and this and that, you know, you're just like, whoa. So these guys, these gangsters and G's, you know, some brothers of the club yeah. were just like, Showed love, you know, and it's like, if you wore that cross and you were a school teacher, you'd get reprimanded. You get it. reprimanded for it. But as a one percenter outlaw motorcycle club president, right. you could wear it, and it was, hey, cool, good for you. Yeah, man. good for you. God bless. That's cool. Awesome. You know, and it's like, yeah, teacher can't do it. You know, and um, I, I didn't, I don't, I don't feel like following politics. I try not to. My dad's so into it. He's, <laughs> you know, um, when it comes to that stuff, and um. It was, it was crazy because um, my dad follows. He watches those Christian shows that are like on all day long. I forgot what they're called, but they have sermons all day. And then they have their own certain news and stuff. He's always watching, watches. I try to get into it. I'm like, I can't do this, Dad. I just don't like politics that much. But I understand it now more, and it's because the, a lot of the things that I was brought up was wrong. It wasn't correct. And then when I moved out to Kansas. It was like, oh, you're allowed to bear arms and stuff like this? Was just, I was in Cali, remember? When I come out here, I'm like, I could own a gun. I went from owning, like, a pistol to, like, a whole array of <laughs> firearms, <laughs> you know? And it's like, I went and got my concealed carry and all this and that, and it's it's crazy. Like, I was just like, this is so much cool. And then the way a conservative lifestyle is, I, I veer more to the right than I do the left. Right. And you kind of have to, being a Christian. I won't say you have to, but it aligns more than what a left party person does, you know, I have to say, I hope I don't lose too many people on this because they're trying to save souls and I'm talking <laughs> yeah. about like, <laughs> like, you know, pride and all this stuff. But, I, you know, I'm a Christian and I believe in what it says in the Bible. And if it offends you, then you got to take that up with God, not me or anyone else in this world. You got to take it up with him, you know, and I see people walking around today upset because I don't believe in what you believe in. Like, really? Like, you can't do that. 
You know what I'm saying? And like, there's people that don't believe in what I believe in. And all I could be is just don't mock me. Don't mock my love for Christ and my relationship with God. You know what I'm saying? If you're going to, you, you just, you lose right there once you do that. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, don't do that. Don't do that with me. If you want to, if you don't want to believe in God and all that stuff, I'm sorry for you. I'm going to pray for you right now. And that's what I do. I don't sit there and hate on them and hurt and, and lash out at them like they lash out at me. Then what's me, what's the point of me being a Christian? Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? And you know, someone was telling me, they're like, do you even know what Christian means? And like, you know, you know, I, this is no joke. And it was like, a matter of fact, I do. Because what happened was in the Bible, it only calls us Christian like once or twice in the Bible. Really, we're the people of the way. That's what it says in the Bible. We're not, I mean, the only people that called us Christians were pagans. Because they were subjectively calling us, they had to name us something. And that's what they were calling us, were Christians. Um, in the Bible it says, we are the people of the way. Or you're a person of the way. That's what it says. I don't mean, I mean, you want to be, want the answer. And I'm like, that's what it says, homie, you know. And they're like, oh, so that's what it means? I'm like, yeah, man, that's what it means. So if you could call me Christian, you all you want. I had road names in the motorcycle world. And they were not great road names. You know what I'm saying? I was like, but that's something, too, that, that hit me heavy in the motorcycle world is you get road names. I'm like, why do you guys get road names for? I never – I thought that was odd. I never felt cool with that. I was called Hurricane James, Brother James, and Derogatory James, which was bad, yeah. right? <laughs> but what's, which is funny to me is in the Bible, one of the Pharisees gives one of the, one of the leaders – I don't know if it's Jacob. I can't – it's in Genesis – trying to remember um he gives he's second in command whatever but he gives them a pagan name he changes their name and gives them a pagan wife and gives riches and gold and but on top of that that's where i read that i'm going wow this club gave me well it wasn't the club it was the people that gave me these road names and they took away my christian name and i didn't dig that so that it was during that time I told everyone in the club world, like, don't call me a road name. My name is James Matthew R.C. Santiago Mateo R.C., whatever language you want to call it. That's just what it is. You know what I'm saying? That's my Christian name. And don't take that away from that. That's just what I'm going to follow. And that was one thing that I held dear to me. For some reason, that felt real. Like, that was, like, heavy on my heart. Like, once you change someone's name, you take their identity away from them. Yeah. And I had an identity struggle growing up as a child. And during the club, they took it away from me again, and I did not like it. You know, and I was like, I'm digging it. I am James Matthew R.C. This is my life. This is who I am. And this is who I follow, and that's God. So I was like, if y'all have a problem with that, let's not let's not do this. And, yeah, I, I, I did away with my, um, my, uh, my road name. I, I think that's so weird, though. I think it has something to do with back in the day before all the electronics, social media, cell phones, all that stuff. If you went by an alias and everything was on paper, it wasn't as, it wasn't as easy to keep track of you. So in the 60s when outlaw motorcycle clubs were really a big thing, you had an alias, you had a road name, you could get away with a lot more because you didn't have something attached to you. Yeah. I, I, I like to say something too before we, we, we cut out whatever and um... – I have nothing against motorcycle clubs, and and that and I think it played a big part in my life, where I don't want people thinking that oh you have to leave your motorcycle club to follow God. Now that's not what I'm saying, 
I think there's there's a reason for you to be in a club. God has a plan for you. You know what I'm saying? And that might affect others in clubs, whatever. And if you if you don't believe in God or you know accept Jesus Christ, maybe the club's gonna keep you and guide you, have guidance. You know, because I was lost before that. If I didn't join this club, would I have been saved? Yeah, probably not now. Probably later on, but I'll still be living in the world. If it wasn't for the club, the club kind of dialed it down a lot of notches for me. Where I was like, oh, you're, this is how you kind of like support one another, this, this, and that. Because I didn't know none of that. So I think sometimes a club is sometimes where a lot of people need to go sometimes in the in the motorcycle world. I'm not saying here Joe blowing down the street with riding his huffy, you know, <laughs> to join a motorcycle club, you know. But one thing to let the other, I didn't I didn't know I was gonna join a motorcycle club. I, I liked the club scene. I liked the motorcycles. I did all that, you know. And I go, God has a sense of humor now because you know what I do now for fun. I ride a bicycle, a big scooter bicycle. <laughs> this is real talk right here, ladies and gentlemen. You're like. I ride a fixed gear bicycle for fundraisers to help St. Jude and any Christian or hospital for kids or anything. And I go pedal on my fixed gear bicycle in the streets and in roadways for fundraisers for kids. I think now that God has the biggest <laughs> sense of humor going from baddest bikers, you know, outlaw, 1% of stuff you see on gangland to... He's pushing a bicycle to go fundraise for children that are for St. Jude. Yeah, that's what I do for fun now. Who would have knew? That's so awesome. <laughs> Who would have thought that, you know? And they go, they're all, and then like, I get, you know, guys that are still in the club, you know, they'll hit me up and they'll be like, yeah, I, I saw, heard in social media that you're doing this. Is this for real? And I'm like, yeah, bro, it's for real. I'm like, man, good for you, man. God bless, man. I'll talk to you later. And they quit clicking, you know, like, they, you know, it's just, it just blows them away. And it's like, I'm stoked about it. And it's funny because, like, I go in these bike shops. And I'm, you know, still 6'6". Six, six, I'm a big dude, you know. And they're like, what's up? They're kind of, like, timid. But there's this one guy that I know now. He's just like, hey, what's up, dude? And, like, he runs to the front and, like, talks to me. And he's just like, he's all, you're that biker guy. He's like, that's so cool. He's like, we're going to go ride our fixed gears and go race on Tuesday nights. You should come, man. And I was like, okay, cool. And I feel I like that. It's love. It's real love. It's not... They're not timid, you know what I'm saying? And, like, I remember she used to not like when people, when I walked into bars and stuff, that everyone just looked at me. And it was, I think a lot of people get off on that ego. I did. I ain't gonna lie. Sure. Yeah, you, you, you're walking the bar, you're the president, or whatever patch you have on your back, and you walk in the bar and you're just like, what's up? I make the shots, I call it, this is what it is. Like, I had a big ego. You know, but I let all that go. And I, I like, or I only walk in a bars really no more. It's like, I go in a store and people just still look at me weird. And I'm like, how are you doing, man? <laughs> Do you like me to pray for you? God bless and have a wonderful day. God's good. And, like, and I walk in and everyone's just like, whoa, that dude's weird. Like, <laughs> like this guy is like unreal. Is he being legit or is he being sarcastic? And she's like, nope, he's being honest. That's who he is. He's always uh, ministering all the time. You know, like. Got to, you have to, you know what I'm saying? Because you never know who you're going to affect when you're supposed to be doing those things. And But yeah, I went from that to like riding bicycles. You know, who would have thought that, you know? And it's and it's like, I can't wait to go riding again. It's like, but yeah, I haven't fired up my Harley since like September, October last year. Well, if you want to store it in my garage, I might, I might have to lower it some. I know, and I did raise it. It's raised, yeah, too. It's raised, so. Yeah, yeah. I, it is... <laughs> 
I know. I went from just riding motorcycles, dirt bikes, all that stuff, and now it's like I like pedaling a bicycle again. Yeah. I mean, it went. I mean, everything goes full circle. Like, because I rode bicycles as a kid, and that's where I had most of my freedom when I got away from the craziness of my household. Now it's like I'm back to that again. Mm-hmm. You know, Getting away from the craziness of get, the club life and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And it's like I go back to that and and how um, you could be um, – and God says, read the Bible like a child. Live life like, like yeah. a child, you know. And I'm starting to see a lot of things that I did as a kid that I'm doing them again. You know, it's like, and it's not like, cause I miss psychologically, whatever, whatever, but it's, wow, I've seen myself doing those things now. I speak to people as if I'm talking to one of my children, not to, hey, Paul, but being very respectful, honest, truthful, how we should be towards our kids. A lot of people don't do that. They talk to their kids messed up, you know what I'm saying? And push them around and, you know, dude, I see some foul stuff and I'm like, don't do that. Cause I see parents and treating their kid bad because wow he just grabbed a cup off the thing they don't mean to smack him across the head like you know and like i remember oh yeah i'm a christian i can't smack this lady for hitting you know <laughs> hitting their kid for no apparent reason and i'm like that's not nice lady i don't go up to people and i'm like who's just grabbing a cup mind your own business and they turn around and they see me and they're like oh i am so sorry you know <laughs> i'm gonna pray for you you know and it's but yeah it's it's a trip how it works now, you know. How long have we been doing this for now? One hour, 45 minutes. Wow. I still yeah. got so much to say, but maybe another time. Well, yeah, we'll have you back on. For yeah, sure, I'm still like this. I want to talk about like after the club stuff now. Maybe I should come back and we, I could talk about what I'm doing after now. Because, for sure. Yeah, I'll be like so super stoked. Because you guys know my whole childhood and the whole world knows my whole childhood now. And, and there was a lot that I kept out because I don't think that it was almost say like necessary, but it's like. We would be here for like five or six hours right. talking about stuff. We well, you'll be you'll be coming back, and our our next step is to get the setup to have multiple people. So all the faces that Lynn was making over here, we could turn those into <laughs> words. <laughs> she can make her, she can say her piece as well. Right? Yeah, yeah. I, I wanted I, I I wanted her to like say her testimony too, or maybe you guys could bring her on. But absolutely, she's, yeah. she's very how do you call it like private. Yeah, but I tell her like you got to get your testimony out there. You got to tell them everything she went through because she's gone through a lot. I mean, she came back from a um, a stroke not even three years ago. Yeah, it's like wow, she's here now, and look where God got us back together. And like, she has a lot to say. Yeah, you know, and um, well, see my yeah. booking agent over here, <laughs> and we will get you on. Yeah, yeah, but, so, yeah. I love her. I love you guys, man. I think this is awesome. I know. I, I don't, it's hard. The only thing that's hard for me to do when he's doing these things is um, talking about my daughter because I'm still working on that. And yeah. That's going to be a struggle because I was where she was at, you know, like, and I know what she's going through. Yeah. And it's like, when my son gets it, I don't, it was weird with me and my son. My son's like, oh, yeah, I believe in Jesus Christ. Like he, he grasped it already. I'm like, how do you get that? But, but my daughter's hurt. And I think women carry more emotional baggage and I don't blame her. I understand. I love her to death, you know, and I'll do anything for her. But I think that's the only thing that really grasps that hurts, you know, or just like, I still got to work on that, you know, and because not, not to be, I go sexist or anything. Women struggle through a lot of things emotionally more. And I think they do men, men, we tend to ball it away. 
and hold oh, it. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. You know? I don't think and, that's sexist. No. <laughs> way, and, I, and it's not a bad thing either. It's just women are smart enough to just air it. Right. In, yeah. and pack it away. Wait, oh, and, yeah. And blow up over their shoes getting dirty or something right. stupid. Yeah. Dude, that's me like every day almost still. I'm like, oh, and I'm like, oh, God, i got to be a Christian right now. I'm like, Lord, help me here. But, yeah, no, um, I'm down. I'll love to come back and talk about what I'm doing now um, after, you know, the club world, you know, because I think next was it next week or the week after I got to I'm going to an MMA fight to say a, a prayer for a fighter, you know, and the, he's fighting. These are professional fighters, you know, and that's awesome. Yeah, I'm going to go say a prayer. For that. It's like I'm always doing something for. If not the community doing fundraisers, pedaling, like yeah. if someone needs a prayer or needs to get baptized or whatever, I'm like super down. I'm like, yo, let's do this, you know? And like, or I, like I had a red and gold member. He was a former supporter come over to my house and accept Jesus Christ just a few months ago. Awesome. You know, so I'm doing a lot still and working for him, you know? And that's why I have on my Facebook, that's who I work for is God. Yeah. You know? And it's like, I, I think you... You're always, if you follow in the light, that's what you got to be a little bit salt. You know what I'm saying? And you talked about it at your church, too, and, you know, and being evangelistic and stuff like yeah. that. Like, that's what you got to be. And sometimes I could shine too bright, though. I know I could just overbear and I will have like 20 people in the corner room and preaching to them. And they're just like, can we leave now? <laughs> <laughs> like, and, I, and I can't shut up. But yeah, I, I would love to come back and talk about what I'm doing afterwards and where I'm heading to now, you know. So, well, we'll do it. Yeah, definitely. Man, I love you. I'm so glad you guys came on. Lynn, you'll get your turn. I promise. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> if you want to. We're not going to make you do anything. Right. Um, thank you. Do you want to tell people, look you up on Facebook or anything if they want to? Yeah. Or do you want to leave that out? Or? No, no. You can look me up on Facebook under James RC or Cross Clash, whatever, dot com. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't I don't really open up my Instagram. So I haven't used it since, like, two years, a year ago. Um, but I do got a Facebook. If someone wants to look me up, I'm going to be sharing this on my Facebook once you guys are done editing and stuff like that and doing what you guys got to do. And I, I'm going to be sharing across messages. There's a lot of people that I still talk to that are still living in the world that are yeah. – that I my whole goal here to come in on your day wasn't to boast about me but give glory to God and that we're always going to come up short but the whole point is just accept Jesus Christ like that's that's what it's all about once you do that and get in the word everything's going to be all right the, the the things that you thought were big become small it's an, the they're not even real issues anymore and I see people struggling on social media hurting and it's not me judging them but knowing like dude there's an answer and guess yeah. what it's free yeah. You know what I'm saying? And he will cure all, he'll be all, and do all for you. And all you got to do is accept him in your life. And once you do that, it's game on. And it's like, and it, I, I just look at people on social media going like, I, I got the I got the cure and it's Jesus Christ, man. You just got to accept him. Amen. And, you know, so there it is. All right. On that note, everybody, <laughs> thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Um, reach out. Like us on uh, on Facebook, the Almost Home Podcast, on Instagram at almosthome.podcast, and Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. Find us on there. I love you all. Have a great week, and we will be back next week.